Well, the mission's always going to be bring us jobs and investment. And the intention is to have total employment in every one of our counties. If a person wants a job, we want them to feel like they can get a job in their community. They don't have to drive 50 miles uh, and go in a different direction outside of their home. Uh, so we're trying every way we can to make sure that our folks are given those opportunities locally so they don't have to travel outside. We also want to make sure that our um, kids that are growing up, that are coming through the school system today, have an opportunity to stay at home as well. Hello, this is Kay Maxwell, Vice President of Marketing for Southern Carolina Alliance. Welcome to this episode of Behind the Golden Shovel. This year, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary in promoting economic development and job creation in our region. Over the past quarter century, our region has grown from three counties in 1996 to seven counties in 2021. During that time, we have participated in drawing over $2 billion worth of investment and creating nearly 10,000 jobs. It is quite a record of accomplishment, and much of it is thanks to our guest today. He is Danny Black. President and CEO of Southern Carolina Alliance. Our fearless leader and the only leader of this organization um, in our 25-year history. Hey, Danny, welcome. Good morning. It's good to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this the last 25 years. So, Danny, tell us the truth. How did it start? Why did you get us all into this? And again, you told me it was going to last 18 months. How did we survive 25 years? Well, first of all, it started out of desperation more than anything else. Uh, at the time, I was chairman of the Barnwell County Council, and we had just faced and announced uh, basically a reduction of 10,000 people from Savannah Riverside, whereas 2,500 of those were in our area. And my boss at the time came to me at SRS, I was still employed there, and he said, you're about to lose this amount of people. What do y'all plan on doing to replace them and how can we help? And that's when the light came on and says, we have to form an alliance with our local counties, Allendale and Barnwell in particular, um, and maybe even include Aiken at that time because we faced a tremendous uh, rise in unemployed people and didn't have really the jobs and opportunities for them to go to. That's how it started. So when you did put the first three counties together, Allendale, Bamberg, and Barnwell, and it was called Tri-County Alliance, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced? When we started, there were very uh, few sites and buildings and so forth that we could go out and recruit companies into. We didn't really have at that time a real uh, economic development plan uh, for the region. It was all done out of Columbia. And basically, we were given companies uh, uh, coming to locate into the area uh, through osmosis, mainly. Uh, when somebody didn't want to go to Charleston and Greenville, maybe they would think of some of the rural areas. Well, that all changed with the uh, change at Savannah Riverside. We had to put together a plan. We had to put together a marketing organization. We had to put together uh, sites. Um, in the beginnings, I would uh, we would show cotton fields and pine trees and uh, any uh, potential land uh, where we could build a building. That's what we were showing. And we found out real quickly that just wasn't 
competitive. We had to go out and develop product. We had to go out and secure properties. We had to build buildings. We had to increase water and sewer. Um, you can't run an industrial site with a well and septic tank. We had to run sewer lines that we never anticipated in doing at that point. Danny, you made a good point there. This is one of the things that Southern Carolina Alliance does um, a little differently than they do in other parts of the state. We are hands-on involved in product development, developing the industrial parks and sites and buildings. But that's very difficult in rural counties. Um, how do you make that happen? How does that come about that we can create these parks and sites on these very limited budgets? It's tough, no doubt about it. Um, with land cost the way it is today, uh, that's one thing. you got to find a piece of land that makes sense. It's got to have access. It's got to be on, uh, hopefully, road frontage. Um, it's got to be uh, visible for people to, to entertain the thought about uh, spending millions of dollars to build facilities on top of that. But you also got to have that infrastructure. If it's out in the middle of nowhere with no uh, infrastructure going to it, including power, gas, water, sewer, roads, et cetera, then you're wasting your time. So we go through a very um, uh, deliberate process in trying to find uh, areas within our region that, that meet categories that are, are developable and also won't cost a whole lot of money in doing that. And you don't necessarily buy, you get options on it, and then you try to figure out how to get the infrastructure to it. But you got to look at it from the standpoint of, I'm an industry, I'm looking to bring my company down here and be successful. And you got to say, can I make money off of this piece of property? And that's what we try to do is to do our due diligence up front. Another challenge was simply the cooperation among the counties. We've had a very passionate group of guys with us today talking about how everything got started, but they're also a rowdy group. How in the world did you get them all herded together and get them to agree? Oh, gosh. Uh, long stories. But uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, when you had um, six, seven, eight people uh, that were basically running the counties, meaning elected officials, everybody had their own legitimate reasons for uh, looking out after their own uh, particular um, uh, constituency. You had to make everyone aware that you all win when somebody in your neighboring county wins. It was difficult, quite frankly. And I, again, I was chairman of county council when we started this. And then um, uh, as an elected leader, you wanted to make sure that your particular county that was going from five or 6% unemployment up to 14% unemployment uh, when all this started happening in, in the beginning, you wanted to make sure that you got some return. So we worked through many, many nights and, and days of uh, long meetings trying to figure out how do we make everybody uh, whole and how do we make sure that they're looking after a region and not just their particular community. And that was difficult. We had some long, stressful meetings to get there. 1996 was the first full year of operation for Southern Carolina Alliance. And in that same year, you landed your first project, Ken South in Denmark, South Carolina, mm -hmm. now celebrating their 25th year of operation. They're still going strong. It's a great employer in Bamberg County. Then right behind that in 2000, there was um, Swiss Chrono in Barnwell and then Grant Forest Products in 2005 in 
Allendale. Those were two mega projects. And you all had the multi-county revenue sharing agreement um, involved in those mega projects. Talk a little bit about the multi-county revenue sharing and why that's important to these counties. Actually, the multi-county thing all originated with the uh, acquisition of the Agnes nuclear facility in Barnwell County. Uh, that was a major undertaking. It was 1,500, basically 1,500 acres that we went after trying to develop that into a, a draw for big industry uh, to the region. And in those conversations, Governor Beasley brought it up. He said he wanted, uh, in our talks, he wanted more um, sharing to make sure everybody, if the state was going to put money into uh, to it, if the federal government was going to put money into it, there had to be more of an impact. So our idea really started with that discussion that we would take the Allied General Nuclear Services operation, turn it into an industrial park, and then surrounding counties at that time, Barnwell, Allendale, and Bamberg would share proportionally in those revenues that would come from it. Um, and that original formula, I think, was 50 to the host county, meaning Barnwell, 25 to the other two member counties. And that formula continued as we got into, at that time, discussion of a regional hospital that we were trying to locate in Bamberg County and the um, um, uh, Grant Forest Products Operations in um, uh, Allendale County. That formula continued. Over the years, it has worked out great that all three counties were sharing in that revenue uh, up until when Hampton joined us, I guess it was 2008, and we had to reconnect and redistribute that formula. Um, that's when it really kicked off that we went into a, a, a more um, uh, effective um, process of putting the uh, multi-county park in place and then sharing those costs and those revenues that came from it. And that formula has evolved into a 70-10-10-10 operation now where uh, any uh, location in the four counties of Allendale, Barnwell, Hampton, and, and uh, uh, Bamberg, a company comes in, everyone shares in revenue. And that has worked very well and brought money into all the existing counties. And you don't have that competitive uh, 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 confrontations maybe that you would have because everyone gets jobs out of it and they certainly get money out of it as well when there's success brought into it. And that has stretched over into other counties as well, but that's where it originates. I imagine in the beginning, there may have been some resistance from the original three counties to add other counties into the multi-county revenue sharing agreement. But now that Hampton is in the agreement and you've landed this huge project like the ATC in Hampton County, um, again, all of the sister counties benefit from these huge projects. Um, so the multi-county revenue sharing agreement, you see that going forward for the next 25 years? Absolutely. I, it just made sense and it continues to make sense. And it has been adopted in other areas of the state, especially in the more rural areas that, that have, it gives them a chance to participate in any success that comes to a region. So it, it's it's been a very good, successful formula um, but uh, again, I'll tell you, a lot of pain and effort went in to make that happen. And uh, it took us you know, really 20 years to get it right. And, and now it's in a position of being very effective for everyone. Let's talk about some of the unusual things that Southern Carolina Alliance does. Over the years, you've been asked to help with a regional hospital system. Um, later on, you've been asked to help recruit grocery stores. 
You've helped with um, developing dormitories over at USC Sakahatchee, adjacent to the campus there. We've done some very unusual projects. Um, we've helped with um, getting water tanks for some of the industries um, or the communities that serve some of the major industries in the area. Talk a little bit about how Southern Carolina Alliance has tailored its activities to help the special needs of each individual county. Sure. Um, we're a little, as you said, we're a little bit different than some of the other regional alliances. We're not just a marketing recruitment organization. We have to get involved uh, because of some of our county's um, uh, disparity uh, from the rest of the state. We had to get involved and try to do some things out of the box. They, and they all been fun. It, it's been a lot of um, uh, interest. There's been a lot of um, uh, hard work in going and getting some of that stuff done. Uh, in particular, uh, I like doing commercial stuff. We had a town that asked us to, to help them get a grocery store. Uh, we were successful in bringing a developer in and, and basically putting together a, a shopping mall uh, that offered a grocery store as a tenant. Uh, later, that grocery store did close and we had to go back and reinvent it again. And, and hopefully uh, it worked out um, or did work out that we were able to bring another grocery store in. So it, it's been whatever the community needs are. We've tried to help support those activities, whether it's um, putting in a, as you mentioned, a water tank and getting infrastructure in uh, to putting in and, and now hopefully training centers uh, that are coming in the future. Uh, other things that are outside the box of just industrial development. You have to get a community ready to bring in industrial uh, concerns. And if the industry comes in and they see no place to live, they see nowhere to uh, shop, they see nowhere uh, to recreate, those kinds of things, they're not coming. Uh, so we had to be a little more than just an industrial recruiter over these past 25 years. So as the Alliance has grown, in 2012, Jasper and Colleton County joined the Alliance, and then in 2017, here comes Beaufort County. Tell us how the Alliance is changing over the years, how it's still the same. Um, how, what do you think is changing as far as our mission goes? Are we, are we still focused on the same mission? But how do we fulfill that for all these diverse counties? Well, the mission's always going to be bring us jobs and investment. And the intention is to have total employment in every one of our counties. If a person wants a job, we want them to feel like they can get a job in their community. They don't have to drive 50 miles uh, and go in a different direction outside of their home. Uh, so we're trying every way we can to make sure that our folks are given those opportunities locally so they don't have to travel outside. We also want to make sure that our uh, kids that are growing up, that are coming through the school system today, have an opportunity to stay at home as well. Uh, when I came along, um, uh, growing up on a farm, you either became a farmer or you worked for the textile industry. Um, I didn't particularly care to work on a farm, even though I did it for 19 years. Uh, I wanted to go out and do something different, and I went to work with a textile company and spent a lot of time all over the southeast 
uh, moving around and and had a chance to come back uh, to my home because a textile uh, company was here that I could transfer back into. But a lot of our kids today don't have that opportunity. So they have to go out, get their education, and then go seek a job somewhere else. We don't want that to happen. We want to give them the opportunity to be here. So with that, you've got to grow internally the opportunities. And again, I go back to you got to have um, the training opportunities. You got to have the technical system in place that the, the, our folks can learn from and gain uh, employment with some of these more high tech companies. But to order, in order to get those high tech companies, you got to have that in place. So they're guaranteed they'll have a workforce available uh, if they should invest their money here. So it, it goes hand in hand, and we got to continue to work in that direction to make sure that our people have the opportunity to stay here. Uh, but they also got to be prepared to make sure those companies come here. Danny, today, a lot of the board members here have been talking about what a pivotal role you played in making this organization happen. But I know I've heard you say many times how important the board leadership is to the seven county region. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you've seen with um, recruiting a good board of, board of directors, what you've been looking for in leadership for the organization and how you see that going forward. Starting out in, in small counties, such as I did uh, when I came along in one particular county, you got to have leadership. I found out real quickly, if you don't set the stage for things to happen, they won't happen. So you got to grow that leadership and you got to train that leadership to make sure that they're in a position to make things happen. And we've been extremely fortunate in every one of our counties over the years to have people step up to get into leadership positions, whether it's an industry or whether it's a community leader or whether they actually ran uh, and became an elected uh, leader in the state house and the federal uh, side or in local government, meaning towns or counties. You got to have people that have a vision. And if you don't have those people available, it, it kind of dies. So we've been extremely fortunate in every one of our counties over the past 25 years to have people step up that did see the need to um, uh, grow their communities, that had that vision to make tough decisions and to spend and direct money in the right ways to make sure that happened. Uh, so I could go on and on about the many, many people that have come and gone in our uh, board of directors, but that core group that we started with 25 years ago, set that vision that we're working with today. And we are very proud to have them um, as the years have gone by to be a part of this organization and to make things happen. Uh, a lot of those leaders now have, have gone away. Uh, some have passed away, some have moved away, that type of thing, but we'll always appreciate them. Uh, we started out, I think it was 13 original members on the board of directors. Um, now we're up to 45 directors, and a lot of those people have invested their time, effort, and now money into making sure this organization is successful and our entire region uh, moves forward. And we want to, and Kay, I'll um, uh, kind of turn it back to you. We started a leadership opportunity years ago trying to make sure that those young folks that are coming through today are prepared to become those leaders and putting together a leadership uh, class for the region, working with our universities and working with our 
uh, counties. Uh, we identify and put people or encourage people to go through a leadership program. So tomorrow's leaders are being trained today to take over this organization when we go away. That's right. Southern Carolina Alliance has sponsored the regional leadership program for two decades now, and it's been quite successful. But, you know, several of you today have talked about how important it has been to have strength in numbers and um, how difficult it's been for rural counties. Um, often our local leaders may not be in the party of power. Um, sometimes we're on the other side of the political aisle, but by working together and bringing seven counties together, we have a much larger delegation. So speak a little bit about the politics of it all at the state and federal levels and how important it is to have a strong voice um, in Columbia and in Washington to help us with economic development. Well, that's a pretty tough question to answer now. Um, in all honesty, we found out and figured out uh, uh, many years ago, 25 years ago, that small counties with one House representative or one senator representative with a uh, small number of county council people or, or mayors uh, in a region, um, you're, you really don't have any political clout, quite frankly. You've got to have a stronger voice. And if, if you don't have that stronger um, voice and numbers, People just don't listen on a, a, a higher end level. Uh, in Congress, today we're very fortunate to have an extremely good uh, congressional um, uh, representation. We have three uh, Congress people uh, that represent us, you know, covering in the Buford area with Congressman Mace, Senator uh, Congressman Clyburn, uh, in the majority of our region uh, that covers five of our counties, and uh, Congressman Joe Wilson, who was here from the beginning. 25 years ago representing us. So we have a very, very strong federal presence. And along with the senators that cover the state, they have been very involved in this region for quite a number of years. But you look at the, the delegation on the state level today, we have seven counties. That means we have seven county council uh, organizations. We have many mayors. We have many uh, town councils that are involved. And then we have 13 members of the House and Senate. Uh, both in leadership on the uh, Republican side, which is dominant in this state, and on the Democratic side with the Democratic leader sitting on our board of directors and our um, senator from uh, Beaufort County, Senator Davis, it's on a very strong voice on the Republican side. We are listened to. Uh, we do have a, a genuine voice that we can take to Columbia and make things happen. Uh, so having that 13-member delegation all speaking from one or uh, with one voice that covers both the political uh, sides uh, is tremendous for us. And when you're talking about trying to uh, develop the Jasper par uh, Port, when you're talking about mega sites that we're trying to develop in all of our counties, when you're talking about trying to deal with the Savannah Riverside issues and the DOE settlement money today, um, having those members uh, speak in one voice, it's extremely good for us, and we're very proud of that. Well, you brought it into the conversation, talking about the Jasper Port. That's the first time that I saw our regional delegation really unite with one voice, was to fight for the Jasper Port. But as we've learned in this fight, there are a lot of opportunities involved in the expansion of the, of the ports in Charleston and in Savannah. 
a lot of growth coming our way, a lot of things happening along I-95, um, especially since our region is sandwiched between not only two major ports, but two major aerospace clusters. In the meantime, automotive continues to grow in South Carolina. Talk a little bit about some of the targeted sectors and the transformational projects that we've been talking about um, shaping what's going to happen with this region in the future. Well, it, it has certainly changed over the 25 years we've been around. Um, uh, we were chasing anybody back 25 years ago trying to uh, manufacture widgets uh, or textiles in particular. We were after those types of companies that would bring, in, in some instances, small numbers of jobs, maybe lower wages uh, to be able to, to bring those types of industries in here that we know we could win. Um, today, that's all changed. Uh, we are very much in the forefront of bringing in high-tech industries. We're bringing in international industries. Uh, we're talking to, actually, next Monday, we have four industries in here uh, that are coming in from all parts of the world that are looking to locate very uh, high-paying jobs, highly technical jobs, and we're in the mix. Uh, in past years, we may not have been, but we're to a point now where we can compete for those types of industries. And that brings us to transformational type uh, opportunities. Obviously, the Jasper Port will play a tremendous role. It's already paying, uh, playing a tremendous uh, role in trying to develop some of the, um, the sites along Interstate 95 that lead into the Charleston port, into the Savannah port, and potentially in long-term into the Jasper port. Um, we are being um, bombarded by developers that want to bring in opportunities to develop warehousing logistics operations that service the Savannah port and the Charleston port. Uh, we may be announcing very shortly, or we will be announcing in all uh, honesty, um, a large um, developer that will be coming in developing over 8 million square feet of warehousing logistics uh, space in our Jasper area that will service the Savannah Port. That's coming. Um, we're working with a, a mega site down in uh, Colleton County now trying to develop it into servicing the Charleston Port. Uh, we uh, think you've already talked about, but we've mentioned the um, ATC that's a food um, futuristic operation that will be coming into Hampton, and that's starting to develop now. That will bring in uh, upwards of a 1,000 jobs that will be working with uh, high-tech greenhouses to develop um, a product uh, that's been pointed out by the pandemic that you may not have the opportunity um, of depending upon the um, distribution center by agricultural products in the southeast We'll now have an opportunity to grow year-round uh, seasonal vegetables and, and other uh, commodities that we can sell and deliver right here in the southeast and not depend upon California and Mexico and other places to bring in those types of um, uh, uh, commodities to this region. We want to develop on the Savannah River site a mega site to bring in public-private uh, industry that can accommodate a uh, large um, uh, populated industry that, um, and, and very high tech industry that can take advantage of those uh, very highly trained scientists and workers, engineers that are developing around a million population in the Augusta Aiken area 
uh, we want to bring those types of industries into our region to offer our folks those types of jobs. So every day we're trying to recruit industry in uh, that bring us jobs and opportunities, but we also want it for the future to be able to compete with the very high-end companies that are located in North Carolina and California and Georgia. We want to be able to compete for those as well. Over the last 25 years, we've done a really an incredible job of diversifying the economy. Um, but then it all kinds of, kind of comes back around to agribusiness. We're really seeing an uptick in food processing projects. And in some cases, I feel that it's been brought on by the announcement of the Agriculture Technology Campus in Hampton County, the one that we're calling ATC, but also because the population of the Southeast is growing so rapidly. We're just seeing more and more food processing coming our way. In the meantime, we've seen a lot of aerospace and automotive, and we're seeing a lot in, adva in advanced composites. Um, I believe Walterboro is soon going to be the boat manufacturing capital of the world. Um, these are very interesting, diverse manufacturing sectors, but we've also seen a great diversity in foreign investment in our region. So we have everything from the German company of Swiss Chrono and Barnwell to the Turkish company in, um, of Akpa Kimia down in Allendale County. Um, we've got the Italians at Nupi down in Hampton County and the Italians um, at Luigi Bormioli in um, Barnwell County as well. And then you get down um, into um, Carlton County where you've got the Italian company of meter bearing. We also have a Chinese company that is invested in the region. We're seeing a lot of that. Tell us a little bit about how a Southern guy from Blackville, South Carolina has managed to attract all of these foreign companies. Well, let me start out by saying it this way. Um, until we got exposure uh, and we got the opportunity to travel the world and start marketing and selling our area, uh, we couldn't get anybody except the companies that uh, didn't want to locate in Greenville, Columbia and Atlanta and Augusta. That's where the uh, leads came from. Um, once we figured out how to market the region and we started out, uh, as you mentioned, three small little counties that were not very good at going out and marketing themselves. We were very dependent upon the state bringing us opportunities. Uh, as we grew, as we became more sophisticated, we also saw how we could get out and reach the world. Um, when we turned into, and, and I'll go back and give a, a lot of credit uh, to our marketing group, but we started out as, uh, again, three small counties uh, called the Tri-County Alliance that really had no flair, quite frankly. Uh, people didn't know who the Tri-County Alliance wa uh, was. Um, when you talk about Tri-County, they always think about Charleston. Uh, Walden Avenant at the time was our marketing director that changed our name and uh, when Hampton came in and we went from the Tri-County Alliance to the Southern Carolina Alliance. And then when Kay Maxwell came in, we went from the Southern Carolina Alliance to the SCA, but we had an identity by that time in the world. So when we went over and visited the Italians and the Germans and the Canadians and uh, New Jerseyites, uh, et cetera, we had the opportunity to be uh, somewhat known. Uh, and as success came, we, we got a, 
um, uh, people saw a picture of people of an area that was successful in, in growing product and creating an opportunity to be successful in the business world. So it's um, uh, quite uh, much easier today to be able to talk to these foreign companies and be able to convince them they need to come down here. And as uh, Kay may have mentioned uh, in her uh, discussion on some of these, these types of foreign companies now are contacting us. We have three Canadian firms today that we're talking to that came directly to us and didn't go through uh, the state of South Carolina. They came because they had heard about us. And we think uh, we, we just announced one uh, last week that's locating in Hampton, a Canadian firm that figured out real quickly it was much easier and much more business oriented to locate here than some of our competitive edges, uh, competitors around the state and around the, the southeast. So we are getting our name out there. Those companies that we have been successful with from um, uh, India and from China and from um, Italy and France and, and Canada and Germany and Switzerland uh, are talking about what they have experienced in South Carolina and in our region when they go home. Uh, so we are getting exposure around the world by, by doing that. It's taken us 25 years, quite frankly, to do that. It'll take us more years to continue to do that. But I do think we are seen as a, a prominent location that they can come in and, and uh, get what they need to make their businesses work now. And we are on the same level as other parts of the Southeast. Okay, so it's been 25 years. You've all talked about today um, some of the challenges and successes you've had, but I'm going to reserve this question for Danny. In the 25 years of the organization, what has been your biggest success and what do you think is your largest regret or largest challenge that you've had in 25 years? Well, that's going to put me on the spot. Um, but, but honestly, I guess the most success that we've had is getting these very small communities with all of their um, interest in, in advancing themselves to be able to get them to work together, to speak with that one voice that we've discussed, to work jointly and help each other uh, develop bring opportunities to their constituents has been the most rewarding thing that I think we've done. Uh, to get our region looked upon from the state of South Carolina as a, a vibrant, uh, successful, um, an area where a business can come and, and, and be able to um, uh, sustain as well as be successful um, has been the greatest challenge that we faced. And we think it had, we have overcome that to some degree. That has been the most rewarding thing for people to be able to, to um, do that together has been great for us. The regrets, I, I'm not sure we really have regrets. I think some um, industries that we thought we had won or, or had an opportunity to locate here, Losing some of those probably, uh, if there is a regret, that's probably it. But they've been small. They've been few and far between. Um, even when uh, it hurts us to our deepest soul to lose a company because we're so competitive, 
when we do lose one, it, it's hurtful. But we also have wins that we can point out to overcome uh, that. So I, I don't think there's really any regrets that I can come up with today um, that's um, uh, of any significance. In future episodes of our podcast, we will be talking with some of the pioneers who helped create the original Tri-County Alliance, the three-county group that over 25 years grew to become the seven-county Southern Carolina Alliance of today. Watch for those episodes coming soon. You'll learn more about the history of this organization and the challenges it has met in building an impressive record of accomplishments.